Hello, everybody, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Health and Sports Show. My name is Tom Butterfield, and I'm, of course, honoured to be your host today because we're going to uh, improve our understanding of how the gut works, introduce you to the microbiome, and how we can keep it healthier, and most importantly, what's in it for us? <laughs> what do we stand to gain for helping to improve our gut health? Studies have shown that a healthy microbiome can result in weight loss and reduced waist size, smoother skin with less wrinkles, reduced inflammation, which helps reduce joint pain, faster recovery from exercise, especially strenuous exercise. We get better, deeper sleep, increased strength and muscle mass, maintenance of bone density, better mood with less anxiety, improved immune response, and faster healing. Now, that's, uh, that's quite a list, isn't it? So we can see that gut health doesn't just have an effect on uh, the gut itself, it has a much wider range. And we're now able to make links with microbiome irregularities and different autoimmune conditions, diabetes, Alzheimer's, rosacea, which is a type of reddening of the skin, anxiety and depression. And it's not just about improving health and reducing the risk of illness. Improvements in athletic performance is a huge area of interest and more and more sports people are taking measures to try and keep their gut balanced and healthy. Athletes and sports people aren't just experiencing improvements in performance though. They're also reporting improved speed of recovery and a decrease in the loss of training or competition time due to illness. So that's what we stand to gain. <laughs> Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? But before we start to talk about how to improve things, we need to get a bit more understanding of this massive, massive topic. The microbiome is estimated to be made up of approximately 38 trillion microbiota. Now the microbiota are the bacteria, the viruses, the parasites, the fungi and microbes that live on the outside of our body, so on our skin, and also within our bodies, including all the way from uh, the mouth down to the south, <laughs> so mouth all the way down to the colon. A healthy and well-functioning microbiome isn't down to just the sheer number of microbiota that we have that populate it. It's thought to be more to do with the diversity of different species as a whole. Leading experts believe that in the coming years, scientific research will find that in order to be the most effective at protecting us, the microbiome uh, will work in teams or as a collective to sort of assist each other and help each other out. If one species of bacteria is lost, or if one variety of microbe is lost, then it could have a detrimental effect on all of the others that remain. And this wouldn't really be any different to how a lack of a specific vitamin or mineral could prevent the body functioning optimally. 
they all take their place in a sort of cascade of physiologic reactions, just like the cogs in a watch helping the hands to turn. So if our microbiome is diverse and plentiful, then we should expect to have more energy, more mental clarity, better emotional well-being. You know, we'll, we'll generally feel better, right? Which is great. Um, so you got that? Because I'm going to repeat it again, just to make sure they didn't miss it. If our microbiome is diverse and plentiful, we should expect to have more energy, more mental clarity, and better emotional well-being. So we'll generally feel better. We'll feel healthier. We'll feel happy and healthy. So how do we get there? That's the big question, isn't it? To keep it simple, we need to maximize the number of things that cause an increase in our gut health. And we need to minimize the number of things that cause a decrease in our gut health. So let's start with the things that increase gut health, shall we? We like good news, don't we? So we'll start with that. First, though, before we try and give a solution to a problem, we should first try and understand what we're dealing with. So let's take a basic look at how the gut works. Very, very short, very basic. The gut has three main tasks. Number one is to extract energy from food. Number two is to absorb nutrients, that's vitamins and minerals, and also to absorb water. And number three is to remove waste products. So yeah, that's things like feces, poop, you know, whatever you want to call it, it gets rid of that too. Now we're not going to look at supplements first. Before that, we need to look at our diet. Supplementing a diet that's full of processed foods, refined carbohydrates, and processed sugars, etc., with a real fancy, nice probiotic is a bit like, um, I don't know, putting glitter on a turd. <laughs> it, uh, it sparkles, but it's a turd. <laughs> so step one is to eat a diet including a wide variety of vegetables, legumes, pulses and fruits that are high in fiber. The closer they are to their natural form, the better. So the closer they are to being pulled out the ground or taken off a tree, the better. Eating a microwave bean and vegetable chili from a packet is not really the way to go. Just buy it fresh and cook it yourself. It's the best way. And for those of you who want a bit more information, here are two specific molecules that we know that our microbiome needs. First of all, we've got tryptophan. Now this is found in foods like turkey, eggs, and chia seeds. It helps the production of serotonin and melatonin. Therefore, if we don't get enough tryptophan, it can leave us emotionally low and it can adversely affect our sleep as well. Second, we have tyrosine, which can be found in almonds, lentils, seeds, and edamame, things like that. Tyrosine helps to produce both dopamine and epinephrine, otherwise known as adrenaline. A lack of tyrosine can adversely affect uh, motivation and also dampen the fight or flight response. So that covers step one, which is to improve our diet. Step two is to increase the amount of fermented foods in our diet. 
because these act as a probiotic. And these types of foods include kombucha, which is a fermented tea, kimchi, which are fermented vegetables. These are much more common in Asia, especially in Korea. We have kefir, which is a fermented milk, sauerkraut, which is fermented cabbage and other vegetables. And also we have yogurt with live cultures. Now you can purchase these from a supermarket or you can get them online, or you can even make them yourself, which is what we prefer to do at home. But why are fermented foods good for us? Now we're told they are, but why? Well, they contain indole-3 lactic acid, known as ILA, which is converted in the body into indole-propionic acid, IPA. Now, my father-in-law just got very interested here in that, but it's not that kind of IPA, I'm afraid. This type of IPA is one of the strongest antioxidants in the body. We need antioxidants because body processes produce free radicals, which can cause damage to cells and our DNA. And this makes us more prone or more susceptible to cancers and other pathologies. And step three is to get good quantity and quality of sleep. It goes without saying that if you don't sleep enough, it can lead to lots of other health issues. But research has also shown, which is quite interesting, that just like us, our microbiome actually has a natural circadian rhythm too. So they benefit from us sleeping well. And if we don't sleep well, then it can adversely affect them. And step four, and this could probably make it into every single show that we do, but minimize stress. Excess prolonged periods of stress in our lives have been shown to have a really detrimental effect on our microbiome as well as our overall health. And step five is to get ourselves some good quality probiotics if required. Probiotics aim to improve the amount of healthy bacteria in our gut in order to protect it and to keep it working well. One of the most common ways to take probiotics is through supplements, usually in the form of capsules or sachets, etc. There are literally thousands to choose from, and it can be pretty overwhelming when you're trying to pick the right one for you. But during our research, we found some of the most prominent researchers in the field have recommended some keystone species that we shouldn't be going without. These two keystone species of bacteria are, uh, number one, Bifidobacteria infantis, and the specific strain is EVC001. Now I'm gonna call this infantis for the rest of the episode, all right? I don't wanna be repeating that too often. I have to put my teeth back in. Now, but as you may have guessed from the name, this is a bacteria that we're hopefully exposed to early on in our life. We get it from our mother as we pass through the birth canal, while we're breastfeeding, or from skin to skin contact with her. Unfortunately, it's estimated that 90% of infants lack this bacteria, and there's a few reasons for this. One of them is that many women have lost it themselves, meaning that they're unable to pass it on to their baby. And another is that mum and baby may have been given some antibiotics during delivery, 
for example, the mum might have undergone a episiotomy or C-section, for example. To be lacking in Fantis is a real shame, as the main function of this bacteria is to digest or ferment human milk oligosaccharides, the real nutritious part of uh, breast milk. The baby bizarrely doesn't naturally have the enzymes to digest these oligosaccharides. So we need Infantis in order to, like we said, get optimum nutrition from that breast milk. They have more acidic poop. Uh, yes, which and this leads to less nappy or diaper rash. Uh, now, did you know that modern baby poo is 10 times more alkaline than it was in the early 20th century? Now, <laughs> to be fair, I'd be really disappointed if you did know that. You need to get out more. <laughs> this shows that the baby is metabolizing fewer oligosaccharides uh, into fatty acids due to that lack of infantis. So they're just not getting the nutrition in. Babies are more likely to sleep through the night and nap for longer. Uh, well, you know, if there's any for sale, take my money. If I'm a new parent, <laughs> that sold me. Uh, they have uh, less bowel movements. And apparently there is a 93% reduction in intestinal pathogens, which means that there's less risk of conditions such as small intestine bacterial overgrowth. Uh, you might have heard of it being called SIBO. And there's also less risk of a quite a rare condition in babies called necrotizing enterocolitis, where pathogens can cause part of the gut to die. But what about these little bundles of joy when they get older? What's the longer term benefits of having Infantis? Well, they seem to have less incidence of asthma, less allergic rhinitis, so less uh, stuffy noses, a reduced risk of any autoimmune diseases. They have less abdominal pain from IBS. They seem to have a higher IQ and less risk of obesity as well which is pretty good for one microbe, isn't it? <laughs> now, do you want to get your hands on some? Uh, as I said, I was definitely sold at the, the kids sleeping part, <laughs> but there is a company called Avivo. Uh, it's E-V-I-V-O. We'll put it in the show notes for you that sell uh, Infantis. But Avivo recommend that you put the sachet of uh, Bifidobacteria Infantis into the baby's milk uh, that you've expressed from the mother. However, the author, uh, William Davis, has a method where you can use the Infantis to make a live culture yogurt. Uh, the mum eats the yogurt, which replenishes her own Infantis stores. And then this is naturally passed on to the baby through breastfeeding. Now, we're going to give this a uh, go ourselves. Uh, <laughs> that didn't sound right. The yogurt part, not the breastfeeding part. <laughs> Oh, get myself in a, a mess here. <laughs> and we'll make a video for our YouTube channel on how to make the yogurt, <laughs> nothing to do with breastfeeding, in order to show you step by step um, and no doubt uh, show you uh, how you can learn from our mistakes as well. Uh, so you can make this yogurt yourselves. And we also mentioned giving it to mum for the benefit of the baby. However, it's definitely shown to be able to help adults too. The second keystone species we're going to talk about is Lactobacillus rotari. From now on, it's just rotari, okay? <laughs> 
This colonizes the whole GI tract, which lowers the risk of getting any proteobacteria uh, in the upper GI tract. And Rotori produces natural bacteriocins, which are natural antibiotics that help to neutralize any bad bacteria that, if we're left unchecked, could go on to cause conditions such as our small intestine bacterial overgrowth, SIBO. Uh, so that's great, isn't it? Sounds fantastic. Well, it would be if we still had it. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, for most of us in the developed world, and we're talking over 90% of us, we don't have it. We've lost it. It's often only found in indigenous people who are not exposed to modern foods and modern drugs, antibiotics, etc., chemicals and all that sort of thing. So what happens when we restore it? Well, it's similar to Infantis. It has good results. We get increased production of oxytocin, which is a real feel-good chemical that's often known as, and this is a great name, the hormone of love and empathy. It sounds like I want more of that. It's good. Um, we get decreased production of cortisol as well, which is a stress hormone. Definitely don't want lots of that. Uh, we have also increased immunity due to an improved T cell response that comes from our thymus gland. Improved healing of up to around 35%. We get increased collagen deposition, which leads to smoother skin, which I could definitely do with. In mice, a study showed that the control group was given the equivalent of a fast food diet. These mice got fat, they stopped playing and mating uh, as they get older, and then they died. <laughs> the other group were given the same diet uh, plus rotori. These mice stayed slim. They kept their youthful behaviors such as playing and mating until they died. They didn't age the same. The two groups didn't age the same. Now, I'm not saying they didn't age because they did, but they maintained the Rotori group, maintained youthful traits and characteristics. Now, could this be the same for humans? Studies in mice have also found that muscle cells given oxytocin can actually replenish and regain muscle strength that's usually lost with the natural aging process. Now, this is anecdotal evidence only, so there's no strong studies yet in humans. In mice, yes, uh, humans, uh, not so much. <laughs> so Rotori is called a psychobiotic because oxytocin helps to spread that feeling of love and affection, sociability, and reduces social anxiety. So could the loss of the Rotori uh, microbe be partially responsible for the explosion in anxiety, depression, and suicide in modern society. But when Rotori is restored, we know that we improve our sleep and our ability to dream. Our appetite is repressed, especially for junk food, due to the removal of gliadin opioid peptides, which we'll definitely talk about in another episode because they're fascinating. Our libido goes up and we experience a restoration of empathy. So in summary, early human studies have shown that Rotori can help to restore feelings of empathy and well-being. It increases dermal collagen, which reduces wrinkles. And again, 
could do with plenty of that. <laughs> it restores youthful muscle mass and strength and preserves bone density, as well as improving sleep and reduces appetite. Animal-only studies have shown Rotori to increase testosterone levels, increase growth hormone, and restore more youthful immune response. And we'll, of course, be looking for this to be backed up in further human studies, more high quality studies before we take any of this as gospel because things change all the time. But thank you for listening and I hope that you enjoyed the show. Keep those reviews coming as it does make a huge, huge difference to help getting word out to others. And it results in a better chance for us to help more people, which is what this podcast is all about. Give it the stars you think it deserves. And if you can write some feedback, that would be great because it's always massively helpful to help improve the show and push things forward. Our social media links are in the show notes as ever. And you can contact us if you have any suggestions or questions. But thanks again. And we'll see you all in the next episode. Bye now.